Monday, yippee. It's uh, a common thing, along with uh, that guy over there, Shannon. The McCowan thing. I think that 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 that, that should be the uh, name. The name. Yeah, I think we should call it the McCowan thing. It's kind of like you know, it's like uh, you know the the Kennedy Project, the McCowan thing. I like that. It's good. Well, it started as a podcast only, and now it's a radio show as well. So um, I'm not exactly sure what we should be calling it, but a media event, Bob. It's a media event. Thank you very much. I didn't say it was a good event. It was just an I'll event. I'll try and make it as eventful as possible, given the circumstances. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, watching the Raptors game last night, uh, the thing that has frustrated me for a long, long time is not losing, although they've been doing their, more than their share of that, 10 of 11 now they've lost. Um, it's the fact that this team um, seems um, disinterested entirely in rebounding. And, and I don't think it's a quality of the, uh, or a question of the quality of the, of the talent. I think it's, uh, I think this is a philosophical thing. Hmm. Uh, I don't think they're the least bit interested in rebounding and I don't think they're being coached to rebound. And I find it frustrating because, you know, in the days when I know it was a while ago, um, when I was taught to play the game, shot goes up, you go to the basket, um, assuming it's not your shot. And this team uh, stands even around if it is your it. shot, Bob. Even sometimes, it, it, well, even sometimes it, it, even if it is, yeah. And a reflection of that is if you look at the last two nights alone, the leading rebounder a couple of games ago, uh, two games ago, was uh, Fred Van Vliet, yeah. who was the smallest man on the floor. He That's happened too rebounder. often this year. He was the leading rebounder for the Raptors. Last night, uh, their big guy. Um, got nine rebounds, but Kyle Lowry got eight, who's the second smallest guy on the floor. And you're getting virtually nothing from guys like Siakam and and Ananobi, who are six, seven plus. You got to get some boards from those those guys. And it's it's not that they can't rebound. It's that they aren't trying to rebound. And that it goes on and on and on leads me to believe that Nick Nurse doesn't want them to rebound. And frankly, well, that, that, that leaves that, me puzzled. That, that, that's silly. So, well, by the, by the way, my frustration is, is that I think they played so well on Friday against Utah, well enough to win uh, against, uh, you know, the, supposedly the best team in the NBA right now. And then last night, I think that was an embarrassment last night. And by the way, I have not mentioned uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes today. Well, uh, well we won't, I don't think we should. Because there's no point in mentioning them again, because they're out well. Of the they're not the already. only Big Ten team to go south. Uh, oh, no, no, no! Here we go. Misery loves company. Well, Misery I'll tell you, company. everybody. You know, I, everybody was talking about the Big Ten perhaps being the strongest conference well, in the country. That's what Morosi was saying. Yeah, and they're they're dropping like flies. Indiana, which was a number who were a number one seed, got yeah. got beat. Was it Indiana yeah. or Illinois? No, it was Illinois. Illinois, yeah. but. Uh, uh, Michigan didn't, so just for the record. Well, and Oral Roberts, yes, who beat Ohio State, then yeah. turned around and beat Florida last yeah. night. Okay, so, so anyway, that's the end of your know. lament. That's the end of your lament. Well, I don't have a lament. Um, they got oh. beat, and, and I didn't. Th- I, I saw them only two or three times this year. I, I didn't think they were that good. <sighs> to tell you the Buckeyes, I didn't think they were okay. that good. All right, so they don't really have a star player. So let's get going. 
Uh, we'll take the break. And uh, then um, Jim Houston of uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Mike Zeisberger of the NHL.com, some uh, puck talk. When uh, we continue on the August program here in March. The event. Yeah. Back after these messages. Uh, we are back. Yours truly, Bob McCown, John Sh- Shannon, and a couple of hockey pucks with us uh, this morning, uh, this today. Uh, Jim Houston of Hockey Night in Canada is with us from um, Mud Bay. Yeah. We're not giving anything away, though. White Rock, <laughs> BC. And uh, Mike Zeisberger of uh, NHL.com. Where are you, Z? Are you in Toronto? Uh, Southern Ontario. <laughs> I think that, that qualifies, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we... Um, Many things to address here. Um, we'll start in no particular order. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs looked like they were a juggernaut on their way to um, um, just sweeping the year, maybe being a Stanley Cup final contender. Um, they were up by what, John? 15, 16 points at one Six, point? 16 points at the beginning of this month, yes. Uh, that has now been reduced to seven. Right. And um, they have shown significant vul- vulnerability over the last uh, seven or eight games. Huey, what have you, I don't know how much you've watched them, but is there something different going on with the Maple Leafs? It's, you know, one of the things that that it's really hard to know because you would love to gauge them against the other really good teams. Like there are some, there are other good teams in Canada. Winnipeg, I think is a great team. Edmonton's a good team. Um, But I would love to see them play Tampa. I want to see them play Florida. I want to see them play Colorado then I get a, a feel for them. I think, I think they're short of forward. I, I just think that they're, Wayne Simmons coming back, I believe helps them. He's, you know, he was a good ad at the start of the season. Uh, <clears throat> people will talk ad nauseum about their goaltending hasn't been good enough, but I think that, you know, when I look at the way that Sheldon Keith uses his forwards, I think he's short a guy in his top six and they need to add somebody there in my, in my opinion, because, you know, I, I don't, I don't think you could play Joe Thornton as much if you're going to play him on that top line and they don't want to do that. They put Zach Hyman up there. Um, so they're lacking a little bit of continuity. They're just, uh, they're a really good team, but they could be a little better. And then they've had, you know, the, the, the problem with Matthews and his, if he's indeed injured, um, then that's been a bit of a bugaboo for them. But largely, I would say they're just not quite what they could be if they added another guy. Would you put Thornton and Spezza on a geezer line, Z? I don't know about that, Bob, uh, because, uh, you know, um, you're not going to break any land or ice speed records with those guys on the same line. I think that uh, they are probably more effective if you scramble them around a bit and put them on different lines. Uh, we saw how Thornton could be effective um, up with Matthews and Marner uh, to start the season, but all that stuff has gone into the blender as injuries have come into the fray. Um, I agree with Jim. I think that they need uh, another another forward uh, into the mix. Um, you kind of brushed on the goaltending situation and I kind of find that fascinating because a guy like Jack Campbell, after they, they acquired him last year, uh, they really liked him. He played pretty uh, confidently. He was solid. 
Um, he comes from that Sault Ste. Marie background that Kyle Dubas has. And I really think that, you know, when they're deciding on what they were going to do with Freddie Anderson, obviously he's in the last year of a contract, but there's some in the organization that thought Campbell could be the answer um, moving forward. Unfortunately, uh, because of his health, and it, we've, we've seen it in little snippets. I mean, shutout against Edmonton. We saw him get a shutout the other night against Calgary. Um, but I think the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy, number one, um, you know, has, has hurt the team a little bit as, as Anderson has struggled. But number two has, you know, maybe muddled, muddled it up a bit in terms of what they want to do with their goaltending going beyond this year. Do you, Mike, do you think that they... Um... They know that Jack Campbell can be a starter because Jack Campbell's never been a starter in this league. No, but I mean, you know what? When you look at the overall pitcher, uh, every time you talk to them, uh, they, they talk glowingly about him. I'll go back and say again, uh, you know, he's got that Sault Ste. Marie connection with Kyle Dubas. And with the cap staying flat, I mean, there's some interesting, uh, interesting decisions that the Maple Leafs have after this season. Most notably, at some point, they're going to have to pay Morgan Riley. And I can't see any way where a team, a franchise that has been so in need of a defenseman like that for years, decades, whatever you want to say, would ever let him walk away. Mm -hmm. So I think he would be the priority. And in their minds, you know, maybe, maybe Anderson is the one that you give, you know, that's where you get the additional money from by letting him go. What, what do you think of the Campbell situation, Jimmy? Well, I think that one of the things that you can never really judge until you see it is whether a goaltender can be a starter yeah. when he has to go every second night. Boy, it's just such a different world. I've seen it a million times where you think that you've got a goaltender that is really good. You think he's ready to be a starter. And then you put that label on him and give him a chance to play every second night. And sometimes they can't do it. You never know until you try it. So he might be, but we've seen a bunch of guys fail um, in that position where it's all on your shoulders. You are the guy, you gotta go every second night and you only get a break every once in a while. Um, we're learning a little bit about that. Like Thatcher Demko is a perfect example. Yeah. Of that. Yeah. He's just figuring it out. Like he's just figuring out how to be a number one guy. And it's mentally, it's, it must be exhausting for a lot of those guys to, to think I've got to be the number one guy every second night. So I don't know if Jack Campbell is there. We don't know. Do you they, give- they, they may be able to judge that in time. And we may, it may, it may play itself out in front of us. But uh, we simply don't know that at this time. And, and until he proves himself as a starter, Freddie Anderson's their guy. But do we, and I'll throw this back at you guys. I mean, if there's a gray area here um, by the end of the season, and there is that quotient of the unknown with, with Jack Campbell, do you therefore throw the money at, at Freddie Anderson? Because it's not, that's not a, a, a slam dunk either. But the problem is going to be, uh, with every team, mm. and you mentioned Morgan Riley and you mentioned Freddie Anderson, the problem for a whole bunch of teams, and they're, they're thinking about this right now, is that we got a cap problem for a number of years. Yep. And 
everybody is going to be in the same conundrum that you're going to have to make decisions that a year ago or two years ago didn't have to make. They're, they're COVID decisions. They're decisions that are made because the cap has changed, the world has changed. And because of the financial situation, some guys are going to have to go. You're going to have to make different decisions than you would have. And it's, it's not easy for a lot of organizations because there, there are many organizations like the Leafs that are really top heavy that have, have to make some decisions that a couple of years ago they thought, oh, the cap's going to go up. We'll be able to deal with this. We'll be able to deal with that. And we'll, you know, we'll have more money to deal with this guy. And now they're not. Yeah. Well, which, it, which, may which, come, it, it may come down to this. It may come down, and you guys have kind of circled around this. Who is more important to this team? Is it Riley or is it Freddie Anderson? Because if they let Freddie Anderson go, they presumably will have sufficient money to give uh, Riley the kind of raise that he's going to look at. Now, this is all theoretical. Yeah, you see, see I, Bob, I, I actually think they, they know already. Uh, I, think, I, I think Brandon Pridham, who's the, the cap guy, and, and, and Kyle and Brendan, I, I think they know, which, is, which, is ex, which explains to me why Kyle's press conference early in the week, and Mike, I think you were on it, explains why he was so aggressive. Yeah. It, because this is, in many ways, because of the flat cap and because of s- trying to sign guys like Anderson and Riley, this might be the Leafs' year. This might, might be the Leafs' year to be in the mix to win the cup. And that's why he, he, sound, like, he, he sounded more like Punch Imlac uh, than he, he did a, a modern-day general manager that's, uh, that, that's built this thing on analytics and, and personalities and, and everything else that he's built this organization on. He, he was, to me, he was out of character. And I think he was out of character because he knows that the door is closing on this group a lot quicker than people realize. I just so, think that, uh, you know, goaltending, as important as it is, we've seen in the last few years that, that goaltenders can emerge, okay? Uh, paying goaltenders at hefty prices doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. And, you know, there was a time where I'd say, yeah, the goalie's the most important guy in the team. But, you know, I'll, I'll reaffirm what I, what I said earlier. I just think that, this is a franchise that, that's looked for a number one defenseman for so long. I mean, you know, I don't know what you think of Caberlier or McKay, but we can go back to the Borea Salming era. Um, I, I just don't see any way that they let Morgan Riley go. I just Neither don't. Neither do I. I agree I, with you. I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. But I would say this, that <clears throat> you can sign three Morgan Rileys, but if, he, if the guy behind them can't stop the puck, you, know, you got no chance, and we're seeing it. I, I, goaltending is not just a little thing in hockey; it's everything in hockey. So you you have to have the guy. Look what's gone on with Vancouver, for example. Yeah. Just, I mentioned Thatcher Demko. They get they get themselves back in a playoff race, whether you you know consider them in the race or not. Oh, sure they the are. The fact that they're winning games is it's about getting goaltending. Mm-hmm. What's <clears throat> what happened in Edmonton? Mike Smith comes back, starts playing well. They get themselves back in the race. They, it's just Carey Price. If he comes around, the Montreal Canadiens are a better team. If Freddie Anderson plays better, or you know Jack Campbell is the best goaltender, then Toronto's got a chance. So you have to solidify that position. It's you know Colorado, Philip Grubauer. Just look around the league. Every Tampa is the best team in yep. hockey. 
because <laughs> they've got the MVP in goal. It's, it, it just goes without saying that you have to solidify that position. And then, but that means you have to make a decision about that position too. Well, so let me ask you, give me your honest opinion on Freddie Anderson as a number one goaltender. Like, what is he? Is he, is he good enough? Is he plenty good? Is he mediocre? What is he? I got, a, I got an opinion, but what do you guys think? I, I think he's a number one goaltender. Um, depends on what night it is, though. <laughs> you know, he's, he, is, he is amongst the, the number one goaltenders. Um, not in the upper echelon, but he's like a second, second, second tier, number tier one yeah. I would say. No, I, I, I agree with Jim. It's just that, uh, you know, in a normal year, um, you know, like you said, depending on what night, I think the guy, um, you know, if you look at his game to game stuff, it might drive Lee fans kind of bonkers because it can go hot and cold. But if you look at the numbers that he's accrued in his time in Toronto, I mean, he's climbing up the list and you can't just, uh, you know, hide. This is not an Andrew Raycroft situation where the guy ties the team record for victories, but everybody knows and no offense to Andrew, but he was not, you know, worthy of being mentioned in those, those uh, other guys in their body of work. Um, what I will say is that, you know, it won't be April this year, but there's too many times in April where we haven't seen the best Freddie Anderson. Um, I'm not among the people that point an accusing finger that the reason that this team has not won a do or die series, whether it's a playoffs or play in, um, in the salary cap era is, uh, at least during Freddie's time there is because of Freddie, but how many games in the playoffs or even the play ins last year that Freddie Anderson has been here. Can we wake up the next morning and say, you know what, Freddie Anderson stole that get playoff game. That's the phrase. That's where that's where I'm left wanting, Bob. That, that's exactly the phrase I was going to use. Was you know I want a goaltender who will steal you a game. Yeah. And Campbell, you could argue, has maybe stolen a couple of games for them this year. And Freddie does, uh, I, in my opinion, doesn't do it often enough. Yeah. The 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 thing with Anderson, I, I like I'm an Anderson fan. Um, and I think if you look at the the body of the first twenty games of this really compacted schedule, one of the reasons they were off to such a great start was because of Freddie Anderson. Uh, the problem is, is that Freddie Anderson gets tired quickly uh, and gets through these these five or seven day windows of of not being able to focus because he's tired. But that speaks to me about what goaltending is in this league now. And that means it's and, and I think the guys in Winnipeg have it right. You know, Bob, you and I talked to Paul Maurice about this. And, and he said, yeah, no, Connor Halibut's our number one guy, but I got to make sure he's rested and I got to make sure that he doesn't play every game because he would. And that's why Laurent Brassois has to play every back-to-back and has to play once out of every four games. And that's really, I think, what the, what the Maple Leafs have missed, particularly with Jack Campbell injured, was they didn't have that quality backup guy so that Anderson could play his two or three games in a row and then put in the backup guy. Because this is not a one-person position anymore, particularly in this silly 56-game compacted schedule. When you're playing four, excuse me, four games and six nights, right? Constantly, every week. I agree, John. You, you, the injury to Campbell put them in a position where they had to play Freddie more than they probably would have. They, they, and they're the other teams. Most of the other teams are in a position where 
they can give their number one guy sure. the, the rest that he needs. And the Leafs haven't been in that position. So I, I, I would agree with you that Freddie, at the start of the season, I had no problem with what was going on. He was playing really well. And then they had, to, they had to mix in some different people that they didn't necessarily want to. Now, the, it, like for, you talk about the schedule, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh have just finished five games in seven days. Yep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this, this schedule is wacko and, and, and it, 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 cha- it changes your whole perspective of not, not just goaltending. Uh, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday in the league and I asked them, do you think we're going to have um, one player play every game of the 56 game schedule? You know, because we used to look, I, I, I was, I'm a stats geek. I used to look at the numbers and say, oh, that guy played 82 games last year. That yeah. guy played 82 games last year. I, I think we're going to have, I think before it's over, we're going to have a difficult time finding one guy to play 56 games. And the, the other thing is that they, you see games where like one team is just done. Yeah. yeah. You turn on the TV and you watch the game and think, they have nothing tonight. They're they're and then you look at their schedule and they're they're five and seven or four and six and they're the team is completely. Well, I I would tell you that was Calgary Saturday night. Yeah. I would tell you that was Cal- Calgary. Calgary looked like after the victory they had in Toronto late last week, and they beat and then they come back on Saturday night. They had nothing left, and I don't know whether that was a combination of the schedule or Daryl, or both. <laughs> uh, yeah. try, trying to get through the first week of Daryl Sutter hockey. Uh, and, and then they're on to Ottawa this week. So to cir- circle back to your point, to the point we were talking about, that's where a goaltender, a fresh goaltender can bail you out. Right. Now, you Bob, guys, somewhere, you somewhere guys have Felix all lost Potvin. your minds. I was no. going to say, sorry, Bob, uh, somewhere Felix Potvin is sitting there going like, Hey, back in the 93 playoffs, we played, uh, 21 playoff games in 42 game in 42 days. So what are these guys whining about? But obviously the game is different now. Oh, yeah. um, and, and you need that. And I think Jim made a, a great point earlier on about uh, Thatcher Demko, because, you know, at the beginning, they, they, you know, they, uh, they, they wondered about when do we see the Thatcher Demko that we saw in the playoffs last year. And we're starting to see that. And, you know, for the, for a team like the Canucks down the line, you're going to have to pay Quinn Hughes. You're going to have to pay Pedersen. And that cap, as we pointed out earlier, isn't moving. Actually, you, you, you brought something. That's interesting, Mike, because the Canucks are certainly playing better. You know, what is, I think, seven of eight until Saturday. Um, and they're doing it without Pedersen. Yeah. You know, JT Miller has played very well. Their Besser and Horvat are played. Yeah. This is, a, this, this is the team I thought we were going to see right at the beginning of January with the Canucks. Uh, but you have to, uh, you, you do have to wonder uh, if they can sustain it without Pedersen. And pay the coach. And well, I, I think that's a given. I, I really do. I just think that, I, I, you know, I, I just think ownership is saying we're not going to, we're not going to spend until we know what we're, what we're up against in the spring, in the fall. Cause I don't think anybody knows what we're up against in the fall. Do you, Jim? No, I th- but I think you're absolutely right. Travis Green is not going anywhere. No. Elias Pettersson's not going anywhere, and I, they made the right decision in in uh, making sure that Thatcher Demko stayed, yep. and that he, I mean, uh, on the West Coast, you just you just call him Bubble Demko. That's <laughs> that's what he is right now, 
Uh, he's playing like he did in the bubble last summer. And it's, again, it's allowed their team to, to stabilize and Quinn Hughes is better. If everybody looks better when the goaltender makes a save, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you've all lost your minds. I was trying to say that for the last five minutes, but none of you would shut up. So we're you way behind you there. Years. Well, look at... Shannon brings up the point that Pittsburgh played seven games in five days. Or no, no, five, five and seven, seven days Bob. or whatever the hell. Seven and five days. That's a story. And we're talking about resting goaltenders. I mean, you know. Uh, oh, don't give me the Glenn Hall. Are you going to give me Glenn Hall? Are you 501. Give me the, oh, I was waiting for Glenn Hall. You know, there's. <laughs> Barely got a good night's sleep. You know, in the and, McCowan and, playbook. And, in the and McCowan wasn't a crappy goaltender. He was one of the. He was one of the best goaltenders in the NHL at the time. This whole notion of goaltenders need a night off is just a pile of poppycock. I don't understand it. This is, uh, I mean, two things are certain. At some point in time, we're going to go back to goaltenders playing every night and a four-man rotation rotation in baseball. These are things that have to happen. And complete games. Bob, I haven't seen you riled up like this since the Jays suggested that they go to a six-man rotation. Oh, my goodness. Well, it might be an eight- or nine-man rotation this year, and and they'll each throw three pitches, and then they'll get too tired and they'll have to sit down and rest. Jesus, I'm doing five shows a week at my age, and a a 25-year-old goaltender can't play three nights a week? Bite me. We got to take the break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the Calgary Flames and where they are at and uh, the Sutter influence and how that might work out short-term and long-term. We'll continue after these messages. Yours truly, Bob McCown, along with John Shannon, Jim Hewson, Mike Zeisberger with us. One of the most significant changes uh, that we've seen this year was the Calgary Flames making a coaching change and a significant change, and then they brought Sutter back. After an extended time of Daryl Sutter, yes, not not coaching, and um, the impact I think in a general sense was pretty good. They won a few games. Um, they've kind of chopped a bit since then. What kind, is there a generic for what a coaching change means? Um, you get a short term kick a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time. But can this old school coach inspire? this group in this age, in this era, Huey? I guess we're going to find out. So far, so good. Um, one of the things about Daryl is that he holds everybody accountable. That it goes without question. And uh, <clears throat> you don't play well, you don't play. So clearly, Brad Fillerin thought that there wasn't enough accountability in his organization and on that team and that more feet needed to be held to the fire. And so far, I, I mean, I think you see it, um, but we'll, the time will tell. I mean, I, I wonder sometimes if, uh, and over time you figure out whether guys like that, whether guys like Daryl um, have, a, have a longer shelf life now or a short, have smaller shelf life now than they used to have. We'll see if guys tune him out, they'll tune him out. But uh, you know what? It's, it's a very, very basic kind of concept. Yep. It's do your job, do it well, work really hard. It's like kind of, kind of like farming. <laughs> do it, you know, 
uh, you'll reap what you sow. And that's the kind of thing that he's asking from his team. And I don't think we know yet whether it works. One thing I would say about Daryl Sutter, and it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the season where a couple of years back where Craig Berube took over the St. Louis Blues. And one of the things he instilled in them was we have to play to our identity. They did not have the type of team that should be playing east-west or fancy. It was dump in, north and south, take out your man. And I, I did the final three series on their way to the Stanley Cup. And they just grinded out wins. Old school hockey, the type of hockey that a lot of people said you couldn't win uh, with anymore until they went into Boston and won a game seven playing mm -hmm. that way. I think it's the same with the Calgary Flames. I mean, yeah, they've got some nice skill players in Lindholm and Monaghan and, and obviously Johnny Goudreau. But I think since Daryl's come in, you're seeing guys like Lucic and, and Sam Bennett, which is an important cog for them because all of a sudden he was going on, you know, from what we heard, he wanted out of Calgary to all of a sudden when Sutter took over, oh, he has a, a, a clean slate. And you saw in the first game, he was involved in, in, in I think, both the goals in their, in their victory, uh, Daryl's first game. So I think that Daryl has, like you said, Huey, uh, you know, a simple game plan. It's not that difficult, but everybody's got a clean slate and just play the blueprint that makes them effective. Okay, it, it might not be on the highlight reels, but you have guys like a Bennett and, and, and a Lucic and, and physical players like that that can grind away on you like St. Louis did a couple of years ago. And I think if they stay with that game plan, that's the best chance they have of winning. Yeah, I think the bottom line in Calgary was that uh, uh, some of the star players there weren't listening to Jeff Ward at all. Didn't hear a word that Jeff Ward said. And, and, and you know, the, this is the Monahan second trip. Looks like a different player, Jim. He does. He, he does, and I, I think he was one of the guys. And, and I think I think Matthew Kachuk was the, one of the other guys that wasn't listening. Um, and and you have no choice. To Jimmy's point, you have no choice but to listen to Daryl. You have no choice, and and he doesn't care. Uh, and it's the way the way it is. I I you know it's funny, Bob. You said that he's an old fashioned coach. I'm not sure he is. Uh, I just, I just think he communicates a lot more directly than most coaches. Uh, I, I think that, I think this guy, like, there's a lot of people that have bad raps about being overly analytic. I, I think Daryl Sutter gets a bad rap of being an old fashioned coach. Uh, I, I think he's, I think he's got a, a, a good idea about what the modern game, I, I think he understands what's supposed to happen. Um, and, uh, and I, and I think he, he, he just doesn't care what other people thinks. And if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And, and uh, you, otherwise you're going to be in the press box. To, to your point, John, Daryl has not, I, I totally agree with you, <clears throat> agree with you in that he's the, he's the same guy he's always been. Yeah. He is, he's never really changed the game. Yeah. The game has changed and the people have changed in the game. <clears throat> His direct approach has always been that way. Yep. He, he was like that as a player. I don't know if you remember. He, he was like that as a player. So yeah, the, the game has maybe changed a little bit, but uh, he has had to adapt because he's just the same guy he's always been. And his press conferences haven't changed either. I love his press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> must must watch. He and Tortorella. Well, well if you ask but... hey, listen, if you ask a good question, you'll get a good answer. 
Right. Ask a stupid question. And you, you, get, you get what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's what old style means to me. And I mean, the fact that this guy has coached for a lot of years, I mean, he was off for a bunch, but, but he has coached for a long time. And, and by your own acknowledgement, you guys are saying, well, his, his philosophy hasn't changed. And he's not going to take a lot of guff from players. And um, historically, the problem with that is that that theory doesn't last long. That, that agenda, while honorable, doesn't usually last long. The players ultimately get frustrated and will tune that out. Depends uh, on whether or not they win. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that, but um, only one team ultimately wins every year, yeah. Jimmy. So um, you know you better win that cup if you're going to be able to do it. I mean, the guy in Tampa, how long has he been there? Oh, Cooper, seven, eight years now. Yeah, you know that's a long time in this era oh. for for a coach, and he's had success. And I mean, philosophically, is he different? Is he a different kind of coach than than Sutter? Yeah, I think, well, different character, different person. Well, and sure. We all, we all are. All well, well how, how many years was Barry Trotz coaching before he won a cup with Washington? And, and you know what? I mean, it wasn't like he changed his philosophy over those years. It just. Well, there's know, another guy. Yeah. Last of Finally got time. over the hump. And um, in a different organization, he, he wouldn't have lasted as long. Right. Trotz well, David, David, hate David, hate. David hates firing coaches in Nashville. David, that, that if you talk, if you sit down and have a coffee with David, he, I, you'll ask him name the three things you're most proud of. And one of them is I never fire coaches. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, we are, you know, bit by bit getting closer and closer. Obviously it's impossible to get farther and farther from the trade deadline. So we're getting closer and closer. And um, there's a, you know, a real thing about it this year with the COVID stuff. I mean, can you, if you're a Canadian team, would you actually deal, make a deal with an American team, knowing that the player you're going to get is going to sit probably for two weeks? Um, uh, Brad Treliving is going to join us tomorrow. I guess we'll talk a little bit about that uh, more directly. What, what would Calgary be looking for? What should Treliving be? Who should Treliving be talking to? I'm not sure. Made a big move. Say again. I think he's made his big move. Don't yeah. You? I, I think he, I, I think when you look at what, what he did in the off season by signing Chris Tanev and Jacob Markstrom, and then by changing the coach, I think, and I'm not sure there's much cap space for him to, to manipulate uh, very much there. I think, I think Edmonton's in the same boat, I think, but Calgary, Calgary now just needs to fine tune what they have more so than anything else. Um, I, I, I think the two teams that are going to look to, make moves in Canada because I think Montreal's in the same boat as Calgary. They've made their moves are Toronto and Winnipeg because they feel that they're close enough that they need to try to find something to make their team better somewhere. Well, and it's difficult. It's difficult because it's not just the two week quarantine. It's basically three weeks mm -hmm. because you lose the player for two weeks and then you got to get him back. Then you got to get him back in shape. Right. Yep. It's that's that's tough. That's a that's a lot of the season. But I think Calgary's problem will be solved if Daryl makes Matthew Kachuk the best player on their team. I I agree, Jim. And and guys, you know what? I I would say the same about Sean Monahan too, because uh, you know, uh, frankly, he 
first half of the season, he was more abundant at times. And, and under Daryl, we've at least seen a little bit of a spark there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there was rumors in Calgary uh, over the last year, year and a half or so, uh, you know, whether he would be moved or not, they've put their confidence in him. So I agree like with, with, with Jim, like Matthew Kachuk, but I could say that about all their top players, uh, save for Jacob Markstrom. Um, their best move is going to be if he can give them a collective uh, kick in the uh, derriere of the hockey pants and get those guys playing like the star players they are. For fun, who are the four Canadian teams you expect to make the playoffs? Hmm. Uh, Toronto's going to be there. Winnipeg's going to be there. I think Edmonton's going to be there. Yep. Then it's a crapshoot. Then you don't know. I'm not sure about Montreal. Vancouver's going to run out of runway. That's going to be a bit of a problem. Uh, Calgary's got a real shot there. But that that fourth spot, I think the first first three for me are a given. Toronto, Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton. Then good luck. Well, and I, I agree with that. And I think it's going to be, you know, the next, the next three, when you, when you talk about uh, Calgary, um, obviously uh, Montreal and Vancouver, um, how fascinating is it going to be in the last two or three weeks when those teams are going to have to scramble to get in the playoffs. And at some point it's just, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but it's basic, basic math because there's only seven teams in the division that those teams are going to have to play each other um at some point mm-hmm. and we talk about four point games i mean if there's anything like an eight point game those are going to be you know that that's i mean i know the toronto maple leafs for example they play their final i believe two or three games uh against the montreal Canadiens, and it could be you know we haven't seen a, a, a playoff series between the habs and the leafs since 1979 uh cue the cam connor uh references but bob, uh, bob bob myers and tiger williams yeah it's been so long um but i'll tell you what if 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 one of those teams is on the cusp and, and you know uh the way the standings look now it, it, it's montreal that's going to be like a mini playoff series in its own and i think there's going to be other ones in the league like that um or at least in the division because yeah. of those three teams we talked about that are trying to squeeze in now, as the as one of the Western Canadians on the on the show, Mike, I, I must admi- remind you that if Montreal's fourth, uh, Toronto would have to finish first, and there's no guarantee, the way the Maple Leafs are playing right now, that they're going to finish first. Um, no, but I mean, I mean the last games of the season. No, no, but I know, but 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 we're trying to set up that playoff spot. We're trying to set up that playoff uh, matchup, you know, because right now the it's a it's a coin toss for me that who's going to finish first between toronto edmonton and winnipeg and i i actually i if, if you asked me before the weekend i would have sided with winnipeg and then edmonton goes and beats him yeah. twice. hey ben, listen I, I, apologies I to our buddy out in vancouver right now um <laughs> but uh uh you know if we're picking like at the beginning of the year who would you like to see Battle of Alberta and Montreal, Toronto. And uh, listen, I love Winnipeg and I love all the other teams, but in terms of storylines, I mean, those are, Mm. you know, those, those speak for themselves. Well, this is four guys of a certain generation talking about a Toronto Montreal rivalry. And I'm just not sure it is anywhere near what it once was. I I mean, I think Calgary Edmonton is an interprovincial geographic, um, 
it's got it's got a lot more history to it than Toronto Montreal. Yeah. The history of Toronto Montreal, you got to be you got to be our age to know about that history. It's purely theoretical. I don't know, Jimmy. Yeah, and I I don't know. I I like Winnipeg playing against anybody. I yeah, I agree. my favorite team in Canada to watch is yeah. Winnipeg right now. I oh, just I think I would, they might be the most fun team in the in the league. They can play any they can play any way you want to play. They're big and strong and they're fast. Um, you can deride their defense, but they've got great goaltending behind it. Their defense is held up. They found some depth in their forwards. Kyle Connor mm. is the most one of the most exciting players I think to watch on a nightly basis. And Nikolai Ehlers has come so far. Yeah. I just love the way that they play the game. And so <clears throat> when we talk about rivalries in Canada, uh, I want to see Winnipeg play against anybody. I'd love to see Winnipeg play Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmonton just did them in, but that doesn't mean that they're that doesn't mean that they're a better team. There's a lot of things that go into that. So um and uh, you know winnipeg toronto games are fantastic to watch too because you get these amazing skilled players that are um, on on every line so the the interesting thing though is we don't see them play anybody else yeah and it's it's just it's really hard to to get a handle on how good they are Uh, a canadian team quick makes it to the stanley cup final they would only have to play eight opponents the entire season. Yeah, uh, including the in, including the Stanley Cup final, right? Yeah, um, it's sad but true. Um, I say sad, but I'm not. I just assume it's sad. I don't know whether it's it the reality of the COVID world. It is. Boys, we must off. Time is our enemy. Uh, we thank you as always. Uh, good to see you both. Uh, Huey, take care. Go uh, walk the dog in Mud Bay. And. Yeah, he's ready. Yeah, he's ready. And uh, Z, uh, maybe stain the paneling. Okay. Hey, we're talking about 1979, so I got the 1979 panel. Yeah, it's very rustic, Mike. <laughs> uh, Shannon and I will be back after uh, these messages. Thanks, guys. McCown, Shannon, back with you. Again, our uh, thanks to uh, Houston and Zeisberger for joining us. We've touched on this a fair bit over the last um, few weeks, maybe more than that. And the inevitability of this schedule that the National Hockey League has created out of necessity is that it is almost impossible to assess the quality of of the good teams mm-hmm. of, in the National Hockey League. Usually you go into a, you're going to go into a playoff and you'll, You'll have a favorite or two teams at most, in most years. Um, I, I don't know how you assess or are going to be able to assess going into the postseason who's good and who's not. Well, and, and not only that, Bob, it, it, appears, uh, it appears that we're dealing with a season, a shortened season, a compacted season of streaks. I mean, it, this, is, this is as streaky as I remember. I mean, we, we touched on Vancouver streak uh, on the positive way. Uh, the, the Leafs up until Saturday were on a negative streak. Um, Colorado for the first 20 games of the season was one of the biggest disappointments. And now they've won six in a row. Minnesota two weeks ago was really good. And now they can't beat Colorado. They lost six, nothing to Colorado on the weekend. Uh, there are, there are few teams that are consistent, few teams that are consistent. I Tampa, can think of two. T- Tampa is That's consistent. One. Who's the other one? 
Well, I, I think it might be Florida. I think it's the other Florida team. Could be. Could be Vegas. And you're right. You know what? You're right. Vegas. And yet I watched Vegas play last night. And last night was one of those nights. Pacioretty wasn't in the lineup. Was uh, they mailed it in in L.A. They mailed it in. They, they, they had won their game in L.A. on Friday. So we won't, you know, they, they're ready to go home and, and play in Vegas this week. Vegas very rarely is an overwhelmingly good team. They're, they, they're, more often than not, they do what they have to do and not much more. Yeah, no, they, but they're they're, they, they're a deep team. They they now have their two two goaltenders back. You know, Flurry Leonard played Friday, played very well. So all of a sudden, that they have strength in that position again on every night. So you don't have to give Mark Andre Flurry a night off. It's uh, but you you just you don't know measure. The other story, it, it's funny. The other story that's really missing, um, is uh, you know, Alex Ovechkin continues to be an amazing goal scorer. He's now past Phil Esposito. He scored two the other night against the Rangers. And I wonder how much, how much play he's getting, particularly in Canada, but around the league, because he only plays, you know, seven other teams as well. And, no, and, well, and he's some... had a, he's had a, he's had a great season. He's not going to be 50 goal scorer, but he's had a great season. And he's, he, he might pass Marcel Dion this year. Well, um, we, we don't have to tell anybody what a great scorer he is, a great player, in fact, he is. Um, and I expect that as uh, far as Washington goes during this, uh, this rest of this season and postseason, um, he'll be the most significant contributor offensively to that team. We got to get out of here. Uh, we thank you all for uh, listening and uh, being with us. And again, our thanks to uh, Jim Houston and Mike Zeisberger. For Shannon McCowan, we'll see you tomorrow. Good night, everybody.